thanks everybody. You can be seated. So I'm just going to have a personal moment here. So if you haven't put together, Jeff is my husband. Did you put that together? So I was sitting in the, did you say, oh yeah. <laughs> I was putting together, y'all, if you want to look at yourself and think about 25 years from now, 25 years ago, I was sitting up there and this handsome young man was leading PG. 25 years ago, I was like, who is that? Who is that boy who loves Jesus so much and plays the piano real nice? And full circle moment, this was my daughter. So, I mean, I'm having, like, all of my brain is kind of exploding a little bit today. today. So, I'm so honored to be here. Um, for those of you that I haven't met, I serve in President Hagen's office. So, if you ever want to come down, I always have chocolate on my desk. I got an extra chair there. You're always welcome to come down to my office if you ever need anything or you just need some chocolate. So, just so you know, it's right there. And I'm excited to share a little bit with you this morning. I want to talk to you about an experience I had probably almost about 10 years ago now. So I was working on a video shoot on a video project with an author, and she had written a book, and um, her publishing house wanted to produce a Bible study, and I was helping produce it. And so we ended up going to Israel to film this Bible study, and it was just amazing. So we were going in all these different locations around um, Israel, and we were filming, and we had a crew with us. And the really cool thing about it was because we were filming uh, video, we needed it to be quiet, so the publishing house had spent extra money to let us go all these places after hours when things were closed. So we would go to the garbage and the guest somebody during the day, and there's so many people, but we would wait and we would go back after hours and it would be quiet. There would be no one there, just us. And so I got to experience Israel in this really beautiful way because um, I got to experience it kind of a little less touristy, but I was just able to go to some of these places when it was quiet and we were alone. And one of those places was the house of Caiaphas. Now, you might not know who that is, but in Scripture, we read about Caiaphas. He was the high priest in the time of Jesus. And the house of Caiaphas was historically the place that, they, uh, that Jesus was taken after he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was taken to the high priest's house. So he was taken to the house of Caiaphas. And there he was questioned by the religious leaders. And it's the place where we see Peter deny Jesus three times. Now, in that location, the French have built a church on top of that location, and you see all kinds of really cool things. So it's a, it's a great place to visit, but I got to go after hours. So we went there as all the tourists were leaving. It was about 6 o'clock. The sun was setting, and this beautiful uh, French priest was my host, and he had a big robe on, and he had keys that were a big circle and would dangle with the big old keys. And he said, let me take you around and show you some of the the other things. And he started showing me some of the steps that they believe maybe Jesus would have walked up the night that he was arrested when he was walking up Caiaphas's house. They were, they were barricaded off from everybody else, but he opened the gate and he let me walk up those steps. And it was just this incredible moment. And then we got to stand in the courtyard where Peter would have denied Jesus. And I was just having this beautiful moment. And then he said, okay, now I'm going to take you to the pit. And I'm thinking, okay, what is the pit? Well, the pit was where they believed that Jesus was held the night before, uh, the night after he was arrested. It is a dungeon underneath the house of Caiaphas where they believed that Jesus was held that night. In Mark 14, it tells us that Jesus was taken to Caiaphas' house that night, and then in the morning, he was taken to Pilate. 
So what happened between those hours? Well, they believe that Jesus was put in this pit because prisoners would have been put in these pits or the cisterns that they would have had at a house. They would put them into the pit. And so this pit at Caiaphas' house, they've taken the time to dig out around the outside so that you can actually go into it. I have a picture of the pit. You want to put it up, Chris? This is the pit now. It's not as exciting as when you're in it, but there were no sconces in it when Jesus was in it. It's about 15 feet wide. It's about 20 feet up. And all it is is a little circle, a little circle in the ceiling. Now, there would have been no way in or out. Now, I was able to walk around the outside and come in in the bottom because they've created a staircase so that people can see it. But this was the pit. The uh, prisoners would have been lowered down through the hole into the bottom of this pit, which would have gathered water and mud. And, and the way that the pits were built, they were dug out, and they were curved on the outside of the wall so that the water would run down and accumulate in the bottom, these cisterns that they would gather water. So this was the pit that Jesus was in the night that he was arrested. And what was cool was this beautiful French priest showed me the room, and he said, I'm going to give you a moment here. So he walked out, and I'm sitting here by myself. So I, I sat down cross-legged in this pit, totally alone, and I looked up at the ceiling, and suddenly I felt the presence of God in this incredible way, and the Lord began to speak to me. First of all, I was just feeling this incredible sense of realizing the sacrifice the Lord made for us. But I also began to weep because for the last six to nine months, Nobody but my husband had known that I was desperately struggling with depression. I was a pastor. I had a bunch of kids. I was doing my dream job. I was working hard. I loved the Lord. And yet, I was exhausted. I felt completely overwhelmed about everything. I felt like I couldn't keep my head above water. And I just did not feel like myself. And I had tried and tried and tried everything I knew how to do, and I could not get myself out of it. I was stuck. And here's what I learned sitting inside that pit. I looked up at the walls and I realized there is no way to get yourself out of here. There is no way. It's too far up. The walls were curved in, even if I could climb which I can't, but even if I could, there's no way that I would be able to climb out. There's nothing for me to stand on to make myself tall enough. I suddenly realized sitting in the bottom of this pit, there is no way out of here. You can't climb out. You can't jump out. Somebody has to pull you out. And the reason I felt so emotional in that moment is because I was starting to feel like I was never going to get out. This is really the danger with any kind of mental health issue, that as time goes on, you start to feel more and more hopeless that you're ever going to feel better. And the more hopeless you get, the more depressed you get. And pretty soon, you just lay yourself down in the bottom of that pit, and you make yourself comfortable. Because you think you're going to be there forever. And it's not because you like being there, but it's because you feel like there's no way out. But as I sat in the bottom of that pit, looking up at the ceiling high above me, I suddenly felt the presence of Jesus come over me, and a scripture came to my mind. Psalm 40. 
I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. He turned to me and he heard my cry. And what did he do? He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground. He steadied me as I walked along. He's given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. I will never think again the same about the idea that God lifts us out of pits. Because there's no other way out. There's no other way out. I want to talk to you today about the times that you find yourself in a pit. And more specifically, how do I get myself out of here? The answer is this. You grab the rope. You grab the rope. So in this pit, they would lower prisoners down with ropes. And if they wanted to get back out, they would drop a rope down. The prisoner would grab the rope and they would pull you out. You can't get yourself out of the pit of depression, anxiety, addiction, eating disorders, post-traumatic stress order, or any mental health struggle. But the good news is Jesus will pull you out of that pit. How do I know? He pulled me out of that pit. That's how I know. He did it. He lowered a rope down to me, but I had to grab onto it. And say, Lord, what are you doing? What do you need me to do? God, what is, what is my part in this? What do I have to do? But he lowers it down, and then he does the heavy lifting. We just do the obedience. We do what he says. But he will lift you out of that pit. And some of you have been thinking that you are going to have to pull yourself out of the pit that you're in. And that feels so overwhelming to you that it makes you want to just lie right back down in the bottom. But remember today, you don't have to do the heavy lifting. Jesus does that. You just have to grab onto the rope. Hebrews 12, 12 says, So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your, new, your weak knees. Jesus is going to throw you a lifeline, and then he's going to pull you out. But you have got to hold on. I know you feel like you don't have any strength, but take a new grip. Grab onto Jesus with everything you've got. So what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that rope look like? Well, listen, God is an individual God. He knows you. He knows what's going on in you. He knows what got you there, and he knows how to get you out. So grabbing the rope might look different for you than it looked for me. But for all of us, it means listening to the Holy Spirit and then doing what he says. When I got home from this trip... I began saying, Lord, what does the rope look like for me? What do I need to grab onto? And I remember just praying and asking God, what's the next step? And then one day I just felt very clearly, call your mother. That might be a word for some of you today. Call your mother. Especially some of you over here that I'm related to. Call your mother. We like to hear from you. But I remember picking up the phone and calling my mom and just saying, Mom, I just feel really off. I don't know what's going on. I don't feel like myself. I feel like I'm fighting so hard to just stay positive. And I said, I knew that we had a family history of depression. I said, can you let me know when grandma really started struggling? Because my grandmother really struggled with depression. And she said, well, Christy, she's around your age. And I was like, oh boy, okay. 
I got a little bit of information. Okay, and so I remember sitting with my mom and talking to her. And I remember hanging up the phone and saying, okay, Lord, what's next? What's next? And I remember very clearly hearing, hearing the Holy Spirit say, I want you to call this doctor. I want you to make an appointment to go talk to him. So I remember picking up the phone and being afraid and, and feeling really nervous. And I remember the receptionist saying, yes, hello, this is Dr. Curran's office. What, would you, what can we help you with? And I'm like, I need to make an appointment. Well, what is this for? I think I might be depressed. And she was like, okay. But I'm like, oh my gosh, I said it out loud. Like I felt really scared and nervous about it. And this lady is probably like, okay, whatever lady. But for me, it was a huge deal to just say, I think I need some help here. And I remember Jeff coming home from work and me looking at him and said, I did something really brave today. I did something really brave. I admitted that I, I think I need some help with this. At times, the rope has been going to a counselor. Other times, the rope has been something going on in a relationship that I have to address. Other times, it's just been a physical thing where I'm not sleeping, I'm not eating right, my body, I have physical illness, physical things going on. Other times, he's led me to study a particular topic in the word that is something that I need to deal with, forgiveness or shame or fear or people-pleasing. Other times, he's just challenged me to rest and recover and step away from things and let some things go off my plate so that I can recover and allow my body and my soul to replenish itself and heal. Whatever it is for you, God will drop the right rope for you at the right time. So what I'm telling you today isn't just something that I want you to think about right now. I want you for the rest of your life, when you start to feel like, I'm just not myself, something's going on, ask this question, Lord, what is the rope? What, are you, what do I need to do? It's going to be different in different seasons of your life. It's going to be different, but God will always tell you what to do. He will always drop a rope to you. He will always give you the next step. Now, for most of us, that's going to be a process. God does miraculous healings. Praise him. I know he does. But for most of the time in my life, when God has healed me and done a work in my life, it has been a process of healing. Here's why I think God does that. God doesn't do Band-Aids. He doesn't do Band-Aids. He doesn't just stick a Band-Aid on the top and just be like, ah, I'm sure it's fine. I got a cut this uh, winter opening a can like a weirdo, and I had to go and get um, stitches in my hand. And I remember them saying, like, oh, you just made it on time if you, because I put it off forever. And then I'm like, I'm still bleeding. This, okay, I guess I have to go to the doctor. And he said, if you'd waited much longer, we wouldn't have been able to sew that up. You know why? Because it would have been too long and there would have already been germs in there. And if we sewed it up, all we're going to do is we're going to sew the whole thing up with the germs and bacteria inside of there and you're just going to get an infection. And some of us, we just want to like, God, just fix it. Just sew it up. Fix this attitude. Fix this behavior. Fix this thing on the outside. And God's going, I'm sorry. I want you to feel better, but we got to get in there and clean out all of this stuff. And I know you want it to go away fast, but we got some work to do, honey. We got to go back. We got to deal with some pain. We got to deal with some unforgiveness. We got to deal with all kinds of stuff in your life. God doesn't put band-aids on top. He gets in and he heals. So that's why you have to listen to him, because he knows exactly what needs to happen to bring real healing and real wholeness. 
We know from scientists that depression and anxiety, most of those times, your mind has something it needs to work out. And so it gives your body physical symptoms to let you know that you need to address it. So it might feel like, I feel anxious. I feel lethargic. I can't get out of bed. Um, Guys, let me tell you this. Here's a little insight. This is what I've learned after being a pastor for 25 years. For men, many times depression shows up as anger. If your fuse is this short and you want to beat everybody up all the time, you might be burnt out or depressed. A lot of guys think, well, I'm not depressed. I don't lay in my bed and cry. Like a whiny baby, right, Rick? That's what Rick says. I'm not a whiny baby. (laughs) That's my brother-in-law. He goes, my doctor told me I was depressed. I said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not a crying whiny baby. (laughs) He's like, no, but you're angry. Right? So you need to be watching for these symbols. And if your roommate just elbowed you, you might want to (laughs) listen. Okay? (laughs) Well, we do that in church all the time. Okay. God wants to take you through a process of healing, so you have to pay attention to the symptoms. And you got to get in there and you got to do the work. Now, I want to say one other thing. If you get to the point where you have clinical depression, you don't want to do anything. The idea of wanting to grab a rope feels so exhausting that you just can't even imagine it. This is when you rely on the people who love you. Because as a mom, I've had to grab the rope with my kid. That's okay, I'll hold on with you until you're strong enough to hold on by yourself. And I've done that with friends. And I've done that with coworkers. And I've done it with people I love. So if you have someone in your life that's struggling, don't be afraid to come alongside and hold the rope with them. They'll get to the point where they're strong enough to do it on their own, but sometimes we have to help and say. And so if that's you and you're really struggling, listen to the people in your life that love you. Do what they're saying because you're going to be laying there going like, I don't need that. I can't do that. Just let them take you to the counselor. Let them put you in the car and take you to see somebody. Let them make the appointment for you. Sometimes you just need to listen to the people who love you. I want you to know today, if you are in the bottom of a pit, you don't need to be hopeless. You don't need to feel like you're never going to get out of there. Do not give up because God is coming for you. I waited patiently and the Lord heard my cry and he lifted me out of the pit, out of the mud and the mire. And he put my feet on solid ground. And he steadied me as I walked along. And then he put a new song in my heart. That is what our God does. God is coming for you. Isaiah 35 says this, Strengthen limp hands and steady weak knees. Tell those who are terrified, be brave, don't be afraid. Your God will come with a vengeance, with divine revenge. He will come and rescue you. I want you to grab whatever rope God is dropping down into your heart today. I was in chapel on Tuesday. It was such a beautiful chapel service where the Spirit of God was moving. And and the prophetic words that were coming are are God is trying to talk to you. Be like Samuel and say, I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening. Listen, for some of you, God has been trying to get your attention and saying, you know something's not right. 
you know your soul is depleted. You know that you're struggling. And God is trying to get your attention. I want you to listen to what he is saying today. Maybe for you it means leaving here and just telling somebody. Like me picking up the phone and calling my mom. Maybe you just need to tell somebody. I think I'm maybe struggling a little bit mentally. Maybe you call a doctor. Maybe you have to deal with the physical things going on in your life. Maybe it's just you haven't been feeling well. And that's affecting you emotionally. You need to make an appointment with a counselor to process emotional issues. Maybe it's buying a book. I can't tell you how many times I've woken up and the Lord has said, this is what we're working on now. And I'll start buying books on forgiveness or something else because God's like, this is what we're working on. And it didn't involve anyone other than me and Jesus. And for the next six months, this is what we were studying. This is what he was working out in my heart. This is what him and I were processing through. Maybe God's pointing on a fin- your, his finger on something like that. Maybe you need to deal with a relationship in your life that is unhealthy. And you know it's unhealthy. And it's bringing you down. And you know it. And God keeps, hey, hey, hey. And now it's affecting you physically. You feel sick to your stomach all the time. You feel yourself disengaging. And God is saying, we're gonna, we need to address this relational problem going on. Maybe you need to make changes to your lifestyle and prioritize rest and balance. Maybe you need to change your behavior and stop medicating. Maybe you're just numbing out with food or chemicals or anything else that you are doing to just disengage from your life instead of getting in there and figuring out what's going on. Maybe it's memorizing scripture and saturating your mind with the word of God. I posted some of my favorite scriptures that I've used for my mental health on my Instagram page today. You can go there and download them. I just wanted to make them easy for you to grab. Maybe you, whatever it is, you need to give God access to all the factors in your life. Sometimes we think, okay, God, this is my spiritual life over here. And yet we don't ever invite God into our physical life or our relational life or our emotional life. But I have found that every single one of those things, when I invite Jesus into, Lord, what's going on with my emotions? You have reign over those. God, you have reign over my physical body. What do I need? You know me. You formed me. You know every cell in my body. What's going on? Guide me. Lord, you know my relationships. You know the things that I need to work out. God, you know every part of your life. I have found that every one of those things, I have to have a key. Lord, give me the key to this one. Give me the key to the physical stuff. Give me a key to the relational stuff. Invite him into all those things and the spiritual side as well. All of those things together make up the whole of who you are. And you have to address every single one of them to find healing. I'm going to invite Jeff back up to the piano. I just want to give you a few minutes at the end here. I want to pray for you. And I want to give you a chance to just ask the Lord, what's that rope? What's that rope look like for me? Can I be motherly for a second? You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to make it. I know some of you feel like you've been sitting in the bottom of a pit and you're looking up going, I'm never getting out of here. He lifted me out of the pit. He put my feet on solid ground. And there is a new song of praise in my heart. 
I've watched him do it, and he will do it for you. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, we come to you thankful. You care about every single part of us, every single part of our life. Lord, you don't look at us simply as things that you use to spread the gospel, which you do. You don't look at it as simply as people who you want us to line up and do all the things right. You see our hearts. You know our souls. You care about us as people. You know every single detail about us. The hairs on our head, every fleeting thought. And you care. And so, Lord, you know exactly who is in this place today who's feeling hopeless, feeling like they've been in the bottom of that pit, and they're looking up, and they've been so discouraged because they think, I'm never getting out of here. I pray today, first of all, God, that hope would rise, that they would remember the faithfulness of God, that you have promised that you will lift them out. You will lift them out. They don't have to do it in their own strength. God, you are dropping down a rope to them and they can grab onto you with all they have and you will do the heavy work. You will pull them out. Lord, I pray that hope would rise up today in those that have felt discouraged. And Lord, secondly, we ask, what's the rope? What do you want me to do next, God? Who do you want me to talk to What's the next step? Jesus, we don't compartmentalize our faith. We don't compartmentalize our life with you. You can have it all. So, Lord, is there something physically we need to address? Lord, is there a relational component that we have got to spend some time that you are trying to get our attention? Lord, is there something emotionally that we have been burying and pushing down, and yet you are bringing it to the surface, saying, we got to heal this. I know you want it to just go away, but we're going to go in and we're going to do the deep work of healing. And Lord, maybe it is something spiritually. Maybe we have allowed something in and it has allowed darkness into our hearts and you're saying, you got to get rid of that. You got to let it go. Darkness and light cannot coexist in the same place. And if you've allowed darkness into your heart and into your life today, I pray that you would get it out so that the light can shine. Jesus, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you that you talk to us. We know you. We know your voice, so we're listening. Thank you for this time that we can gather together. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to open up the altars. If you want to come up and pray, we'd be more than honored to pray with you. If you want to spend some time with the Lord, you can do that. Otherwise, consider yourself dismissed.